0: Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. This is episode number 60 and today we are going to be talking about 100 years of John Deere tractors. Before we get started, make sure to follow RDO Equipment Company on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram and catch our latest videos packed full of information on YouTube. You can also follow me on Twitter at RDO Tony K. As you know, There's a lot of different ways to listen to this podcast. We're streaming this out on websites, we got it on SoundCloud and many mobile podcasting apps. Most of you are listening to this on Apple's podcasting app and you may have noticed that they recently updated the app. It is now easier than ever to leave us a review. If you click on our show in the app and scroll to the bottom, there's a write a review button. We'd really like to hear from you As we continue growing and improving the show, reviews will also help new listeners find our content. So, if we haven't already convinced you to leave a review, please pause the show, as long as you're not driving, and give us a quick review. With that, let's get back to the show. I am really excited about this episode. This is one I've really been waiting to record. I'm excited to welcome Neil Dahlstrom to the show, who is the Manager of Corporate Archives and History with John Deere. Thanks for joining me on the show today, Neil. To get started, I'd really like to hear a little bit more about you and your background and how you got involved in this industry. Yeah, thanks for having me, Tony.
1: So my my road to John Deere history wasn't, wasn't a straight one. I grew up loving history and studied history in high school and college and graduate school and decided I wanted to be an archivist. I really enjoyed history but found out I really enjoyed artifacts and correspondence and records. Essentially, I like handling other people's stuff, you know, something very nostalgic about that and something uh, I, I think very intimate about that as well, kind of learning about people. So I I studied to be an archivist, ended up working in an archive in the space industry out in Alexandria, Virginia, and a couple years later, just through someone I knew at John Deere who said they were looking for an archivist, I I ended up at John Deere, and that was about 2001.
0: That is really neat to hear your story. It's definitely a unique one to find yourself from the space industry to John Deere is quite a unique roadmap to get where you are. So we're talking about 100 years of John Deere tractors. Now, this is a a huge milestone in John Deere. My grandpa, when he started farming, his first tractor was the old John Deere steel wheel GP. And I still remember that to this day, him talking about that tractor and absolutely loving it. So to, to hear all of this about John Deere being 100 years old with with offering tractors is a really cool and, and really unique show. So getting started, let's just get a little overview of the John Deere archives. What do you do there, Neil, and, and what's all there?
1: Yeah, the, the John Deere archives is a, a pretty amazing place. The archives itself has been around for over 40 years. Now, to put that in context, John Deere as a company was 141 years old um, before the archives was created. So a a lot had happened, but we're essentially the institutional memory for the organization. And we do that by collecting records, by collecting artifacts, by collecting pieces of, of equipment that were produced by John Deere subsidiaries, acquisitions over that 188 years. Um, So the the collection ranges from millions of photographs that go back to the 1860s, to advertising, brochures, posters you'd find hanging on a dealer wall in 1900, to service literature, build records for John Deere tractors that go back even before 1918 to the beginning of the Waterloo Boy, and, and lots of other things in between. So we're we're pretty selective in what we keep. You you can't keep one of everything as much as we'd like to. And at the end of the day, we try to to figure out what happened at Deer, why it happened, what were the drivers, what were the successes. So there there's a lot of pieces here.
0: Just hearing you talk about everything that's there i can I can just tell you right now, Neil, that if I were to visit the John Deere Archives, I would be like a little kid in a candy store. That sounds like one of the coolest places ever to see if anyone would ever have the chance just because of the information and what you guys have there,
1: yeah, and we we get that a lot and and I can say i I am like a kid in a candy store. You know, the, the biggest part of our responsibility is preserving the collection and making sure that we can find it. We joke a lot that people are, would probably be disappointed if they walked in because everything's in a box and it's, it's in storage. So if you just walked up and down the aisles, it all looked the same. It's just tens of thousands of gray boxes on shelves. <laughs> so of course, once you get inside, that's, that's where the treasures are.
0: That definitely puts everything into perspective and actually leads me perfectly into my next question. So going back John Deere history, let's talk a little bit about this, this huge anniversary that John Deere is coming on. How did John Deere get into the tractor business back in 1918?
1: It's a pretty fascinating story. And when we traced the 100 years back to March 14, 1918, which was the acquisition of the Waterloo Gasoline Engine Company by John Deere. But the story actually started well before then. Around 1909, 1910, we um, had, had some partnerships where we were tractor resellers. The tractor industry was just kind of a fledgling industry, you know, starting to make this transition from these big steam traction engines into more of what we think about a tractor to to look like. In 1912, Deere decided to start development of what they called a tractor plow and spent the next seven years developing a series of, of prototypes, two-cylinder engines, four-cylinder engines, gasoline, kerosene, so a variety of, of different types of, of tractors. And one of the things they were struggling with is there weren't a lot of tractor sales in 1911 there were about 7000 units sold nationwide so it wasn't exactly a burgeoning industry i kind of like liken it to the internet boom of of the 90s and the dot com companies all of a sudden seemingly overnight there's hundreds of companies trying to build tractors but no two were the same they're made of leftover automobile parts um, and farmers didn't know what they want and they weren't even convinced that they were a replacement. And so John Deere's early R&D kind of reflects that, but they kind of developed this criteria and said, well, we need something that's very durable. We need something that that can stand up to the loads that are going to be put on it, which most of the tractors of the day couldn't do. And they needed something that dealers could service. And that was a, a big challenge. You could buy a tractor, but more often than not, when someone bought a tractor, they used it and never used it again because they couldn't keep it running. So Deere kind of set up this criteria and uh, learned in 1918 that the Waterloo Gasoline Engine Company um, was potentially available for sale. And the Waterloo boy had a, a really good reputation. Their tractor development went back to about 1912. In seemingly very short time, Deere um, purchased the Waterloo Gasoline Engine Company for $2.25 million in 1918. So it was a, a bitty Pretty big acquisition for the time, but it fit all their criteria. And a hundred years later, I'd say we made they, they, the, the company made a, a pretty wise move.
0: Yeah, that's really neat to hear how it got started and and how it kind of came to be having John Deere in the tractor business. So March of 1918, John Deere purchases the Waterloo Boy. 1922, there's another big milestone that happens. Talk to us a little bit about that one.
1: Yeah, 1922 is, I'm happy to say, a milestone that never happened, which is in 1920, 1921, there was the beginnings of an agricultural depression in the United States. We're coming out of, of World War I, which ends in 1918. World War I, there's food shortages, there's shortages in manpower on on American farms. Well, things are getting back to normal, and now there's this tremendous amount of overproduction. Tractor sales now are in the hundreds of thousands a a year, industry-wide. And in 1922, John Deere is struggling financially, like all agricultural equipment manufacturers and um, the board of directors gets together and, and they have some discussions around whether or not deer should stay in the tractor business, whether or not farmers would actually adopt tractors. In 1921, deer sells less than 100. So there's there's some concern. Uh, deer hasn't turned a profit in the business, and actually it, it wouldn't be until the late 1920s that deer actually turns a profit in the tractor business. So it's very much a long-term view of the world But in 1922, they went ahead and decided, first of all, to continue development of two-cylinder tractors. And second of all, to order 10 new experimental versions of what became the Model D that came out the following year in 1923, which had a pretty big impact on the farm.
0: That's really crazy to hear that John Deere at one point was thinking about getting out of the tractor business simply because of what you explained with all the wars and everything that was going on then. So for them to make that commitment to the two cylinders, which I can tell you right now, those two cylinders are pretty darn popular in the uh, the parade line of things these days. So it's really cool to hear the story about those two cylinders and how they almost never came to be. Moving forward in the calendar, there's a new generation of power that was developed after those two-cylinder engines. Talk to our listeners a little bit about that milestone. Uh,
1: Yeah, so you kind of see from the 1920s into the 1950s this amazing development in in tractor technology. You see a lot of new safety features. You know, you, you see things from deer like hydraulic power lift in the 1930s. In the 30s, manufacturers start putting rubber tires on their tractors. Power steering comes about in 1954 from John Deere. So you see all these kind of incremental developments in tractor technology. But in 1953, John Deere began um, what was very much a top secret project to redevelop the entire tractor line. And, and and one of my favorite kind of quotes that came out of this period was Charles Deere Wyman, our, our longtime CEO at the time, said – you know, we we really need to think about how we go about this. And it may be the only thing that we carry over from the existing line is the green and yellow paint. I mean, that's a pretty revolutionary statement to say, the world is changing. Farmers need more power, more comfort, and we're going to adapt this product line to meet those needs.
0: So you mentioned a couple of those very large milestones over the hundred years. What would you say are some of the the greatest offerings? Is it the the precision agriculture in in recent years or does it go back to that hydraulic power lift or maybe power steering? What would you say in your mind, Neil are kind of the the real heavy hitters of that list?
1: yeah, well there's there's a number of different ways to look at this and of course when you're looking at a hundred years, it becomes very evolutionary. And it's it's hard to say, well, this one thing really made the difference." but But for me, if I had to look back at something like you know this hydraulic power lift, so it, it's basically taking away some of the backbreaking work. It's, it's making farmers faster, more more efficient, anything that you can do with your implements while the tractor's actually in motion, I think is a, a huge dramatic improvement. So you look at something like that in the nineteen thirties, power steering in the nineteen fifties, and I love watching some of the the films of, of power steering and showing these tight turning radiuses. And you just think about the kind of the increases in comfort level. And that's something that's always been hard for me to imagine is is sitting on a steel seat in nineteen thirty. And especially being on, on steel wheels and lugs trying to plant or till. I just can't imagine that. But you know, you mentioned you mentioned precision agriculture. We we've been working with the Smithsonian uh Museum of American History to tell the the story of precision agriculture and they've likened it to um the calling it the steel plow of the twenty first century, which I think is a very apt kind of view of the impact that precision agriculture has had in the last 20 to 30 years and, and really the impact that it's going to have moving forward.
0: That is so cool to hear that you guys are working with the Smithsonian and that the fact that, like you said, they're calling it the steel plow of the 21st century, just unbelievable and what precision agriculture has done. So getting back to the 100-year the anniversary I know you guys have a lot of stuff going on here coming, in the coming months, big events happening. What's all happening revolving around this 100-year anniversary of John Deere Tractors?
1: Well, there's a, there's a lot of exciting things that are going on. Really, the, the capstone is a 100-year tractor show that we'll have in Waterloo on June 15th and 16th. And we've we've been working really hard to identify 100 models to represent 100 years. Uh, not an easy task, and we're still not all the way there yet. So that's going to include dozens of of tractors that come out of the archives collection, the John Deere's own historical equipment collection, as well as machines that have have been restored and are owned by collectors, by customers. So we really want it to be an event that reflects 100 years. It's going to represent John Deere worldwide. It'll represent, you know, pieces from the industrial division, from the lawn and garden division, lots of different ways that we can define tractors, but mostly representing the agricultural product line and, and also remembering it's 100 years of John Deere tractors, but it's also 100 years of John Deere engines. So that'll be part of the celebration as well.
0: So you guys have that great event going on. It sounds like I need to make my way down to Waterloo, June 15th and 16th. For people that can't travel or go anywhere, are the local dealerships doing anything special for this anniversary?
1: There'll be a lot happening at a dealership, and each dealer is going to be able to put their their own twist on it. But there'll be 100-year merchandise available. There'll be um, limited edition toy offerings there will be offerings available on a new website called John Deere Images.com where you can actually go and you can order historical photography and advertising out of the archives collection, which I think is, is pretty exciting. So there's going to be a lot of ways that, that people can get involved. We're also doing a, a series of articles on the John Deere Journal. So if you get online and search for the John Deere Journal we've got a special hundred year section where we're telling some of these these stories from the last hundred years the, some of which people have never heard before so it's been really thrilling for me to to really dig deep and 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 tell some of these stories like the discussions in nineteen twenty two or about how in nineteen nineteen deer engineers went to visit Henry Ford and he asked deer to build plows for Fords and tractors. And they came back to Moline and said, well, Henry Ford makes a lot of money. He's going to sell a lot of tractors, but we don't really think it's a good fit for our customers because we've got to customize our equipment depending on the crop, depending on the the part of the country they live in. And we've really got to take a long-term view of that. And we don't think Henry Ford has that. So to say no to Henry Ford in 1919, is a pretty hard thing to do, but I think it's a, it's a pretty amazing story that just speaks to this long-term commitment that Deere's had for its customers.
0: Wow. That sounds like some very interesting articles that I'm definitely going to have to look into when those are released. On top of those articles, are you guys with John Deere Archives doing anything special with the hundred year anniversary?
1: We're not doing in the archives itself. We do have a number of exhibits um, at the John Deere Pavilion in Moline, at the John Deere Tractor and Engine Museum in Waterloo, and even on our display floor at headquarters. So we've got the John Deere all-wheel drive tractor, which is a tractor that Deere designed and, and manufactured in 1918. We have on loan what's called a bathtub D, which is a 1917 experimental Waterloo boy that eventually became... The John Deere Model D. We have an Overtime tractor on display at the Tractor and Engine Museum. Overtime was a a Waterloo Boy tractor that was shipped to the UK and rebranded Overtime. There's an early launch tractor on display at the Tractor and Engine Museum. So we've picked a number of milestone machines that will be on an exhibit. And if anyone's in Germany, you can go to the John Deere Forum and you can look at historic John Deere and Lance tractors there as well. So this is definitely a worldwide celebration.
0: Yeah, it sounds like you guys are really putting a lot of time and effort into really, truly celebrating this anniversary, which is a huge milestone in John Deere.
1: It's it's a huge milestone, and we're not bringing people to the archives, but we're definitely bringing the archives to people. We're also really excited to participate in an event in Davenport, Iowa from March 21st through the 24th, which is called the Gathering of the Grain. It's a biannual event hosted by four John Deere collector clubs, and there's exhibits, educational sessions, presentations. It's really a great um, atmosphere to talk John Deere history, and one of the exciting things for me is to learn you know these stories once once a John Deere tractor is sold and it goes home, it takes on a, new, a brand new life and, and and to sit down with people who can tell us a three or four generation story of their John Deere tractor is um, it's really a privilege to be able to do that.
0: So aside from the 100-year anniversary, Neil, if anyone was interested in the John Deere archives, the collections you guys have there, pictures, posters, is there anywhere or where would you recommend people to go to learn more about the stuff that you guys do in the archives?
1: Well, we um, the, the, the first thing I always point people to is just the the hundreds and thousands of books that have been written on on. John Deere tractors and equipment over the years. It's really the best place to get a flavor for John Deere history. And a lot of those books, the were, were written after authors spent some time here in the archives doing research. We're we're not a collection where it's easy to come and sit down and and just say, you know, can I look at every photo you have of a 4020? It may take us 30 hours to pull those photos, to actually sit down and look at them. But what we've tried to do is. Through the John Deere Journal, through the John Deere website, through the Gathering of the Green, through the John Deere attractions, try to bring some of this history to people. And then, of course, if, if people are doing research, we, we love to talk to people and, and try to help with that research as well. So it's, you know, feel free to, to send us an email. Our, our email address is on the history um, section of deer.com you can find us there and uh, feel free to reach out with questions
0: I just want to thank you Neil so much for sitting down and chatting with me about the John Deere archives and the 100 year anniversary of John Deere tractors this was a awesome episode that I learned so much I'm sure our listeners are going to learn a ton by listening to this so uh, thank you again for being willing to do this Neil
1: thanks Tony I appreciate it and as you can tell, I'm pretty excited about this, and, and I think we're going to have a really, really fun year.
0: This podcast was produced and edited by Nate Dorsey. Visit rdoequipment.com podcast to listen to new episodes and catch up on any that you've missed. You can also listen and subscribe to our podcast on Apple and Android devices so that you'll never miss out on the latest news and technology from RDO Equipment and John Deere. If you really like this podcast, please share it on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, or any of the other social media platforms that you are using. You can also connect with me on Twitter, at rdotonyk, that's at r-d-o-t-o-n-y-k, where you can tweet me questions, episode feedback, or ideas for future topics to cover. Please join us next time on the Agriculture Technology Podcast.